You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. G'day, Louis here, pastor at City on a Hill Surf Coast. Thanks so much for tuning into this video, a recap of a Bible talk from our recent Sunday gathering together. We understand that at the moment things are tough and uncertain with COVID-19, so we hope that this serves you well in feeling like you can still participate in the life of the church. I want to encourage you, though, to not let this be the only way that you participate in the life of the church, that during this time, although maybe you can't be there on a Sunday, look for ways to be able to be together in other ways. Uh, Be creative, send a text, make a phone call, be with your gospel community, uh, catch up for coffee, go for a walk, do something where you can still be a part of our journey with Jesus so you can be encouraged and also so that you can encourage someone else. So I hope that this content today is helpful, that it encourages you and builds you up in knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And we look forward to seeing you again soon on Sundays and throughout the week. Thanks, church. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our dearest Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for this wonderful privilege and blessing it is to be together. Uh, We thank you for your amazing love, your unending grace and your magnificent mercy of which you pour out onto us each and every day. Uh, We thank you so much for Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life, died our death and is risen again to new life. Uh, We ask that you would help us to be people that take him seriously, take him at his word and live from the joy of our salvation in which we find in him. I use my weak words now uh, to uh, accomplish your purposes in this world and through our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I thought I'd start by uh, telling you a joke um, because that's always a good way to start a sermon. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to start by telling you a joke. There was, this, uh, there, was this, there was this fella and he got, he got religion all of a sudden. He got religion. He, uh, he came to himself. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do this religion thing and I'm going to do it well. So he chatted to a few people and he found out or what he thought was the thing that he needed to do was to go and join a monastery. He thought, you know what I have to do? I have to get away from it all and I have to go join this monastery. And this is a really super spiritual monastery. Uh, what you have to do is you have to isolate in your room for a year. And at the end of every year, you would come out and then you would share with the big head honcho, a guy wearing a dress and big hat uh, at the end of every year. And you would have to share two words two words from what you learnt of your time of, you know, prayer and fasting and just being alone. So he went in and after the first year, he came out and he stood behind, but before the the great head honcho mega dude. And he said, young man, what is it that you have learnt now that you have found religion over this last year? What are your two words? And he said, bed hard. (laughs) So he went away. He went away for another year. Went away for another year and he, he, he dedicated his life to understanding what this was all about, this religion thing that he signed up for. And then he came before the head honcho again. He said, young man, what is it that you've learned? What are your two words? Sum them up for me. And he said, food, bad. He's like, okay. He went back, he went for another year, third year in. Maybe this was the time he was going to find some growth, find some maturity. This was it. He came back, third year in, he stood behind before the head honcho and he said, I quit. And the head honcho looked at him and said, look, mate, I'm not surprised. Ever since you got here, you've done nothing but complain. I like that joke. It's funny. Uh, But it's also an insight into what I think the world understands obeying Jesus' commands in is, isn't it? And what we're going to hear today is that that is not 
what Jesus commands. It's not what Jesus says. It's not what the Bible says. Uh, we're in uh, the Great Commission, which are the, amazing, which are the amazing verses found at the end of the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, and it's, it's basically Jesus' marching orders to the church. We're in week three. Last week, we heard from Chris. He gave a wonderful message and teaching for us. We looked at to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Chris showed us that the Great Commission, it is a, it is a as-you-go missional life. It's, a, it's, a, it's an as-you-go-about life. You are making disciples and you are discipling yourself to be more like Jesus. Chris painted for us the picture that discipleship is letting the story of Jesus shape us. Chris reminded that, us that discipleship, it isn't private, it's corporate. He reminded us that discipleship is not I, but we. Discipleship isn't primarily about the destination that we have to arrive at, but in the direction in which we live. And then at the start of our sermon series, in week one, we thought about the motivation for the Great Commission, didn't we? We thought about the motivation. It is a command from the Son of the Most High God, the resurrected Jesus Christ. He is the one who has all authority on heaven and on earth, and He says, go. But not only does He have all authority, our motivation primarily for the Great Commission also is that Jesus is the one who has all and complete love, isn't it? All and complete love. And it's this love of Christ that we have experienced that is our primary driver to go and make disciples of Christ. The Great Commission, it finds its, its, it find its motive in the good message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission, it's not an overwhelming job from Jesus. It's the natural response to an overflowing joy because of Jesus. It's a response to the good news report of the person and work of Jesus. This is what motivates his people. It's the wonderful message of a God-centered, eternal, relational hope. That this is what energizes our evangelism. It's a motivation that making disciples is not because God is twisting our arm. That's not why we do it. Our motivation comes from the, the fact that God has forgiven us and He's given us a new life with Him. It's beautiful. He saved us from our helplessness. He showed us His mercy. He has saved us from ourselves. He has adopted us into His beautiful community and family. He's cleaned us up. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us Christ's righteousness. And now He simply invites us to walk with Him in newness of life, to be more like Him and to do what He does. We love Him. We go because He first loved us and came to us. We live for Him because He lived for us. We die to ourselves because He died in our place. And so today, we're in week three of our series. Week three, we're going to be hovering around the section of the commission, which says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. I wonder what it is you think of when you're thinking about observing all that Jesus commanded. I wonder what comes to mind for you if you're going to be someone who is observing all that Jesus commanded. Do you know all that Jesus commanded? Do you know where to look to find out all that Jesus commanded? Do you know who you could ask or who you could look to to discover more about this life that Jesus has commanded? Now, briefly, before we go any further, before we talk about what this is, I, we got to hear what it isn't, right? We got to hear what it isn't. Doing the commands of God and ticking them off the list is not what gets you into heaven or saves you from the penalty of your sin. A born again, baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ does not live like they do for the love and acceptance of God. Uh-uh. They live from 
the love and acceptance of God, don't they? A Christian is not someone that thinks that they are good or better than everyone else because they obey the Bible. A Christian is someone that because of God's revelation through the Bible, they know, I know, that I'm hopelessly lost. And if it wasn't for the mercy and love of God, I, could do, I couldn't do anything good. Being a Christian is not like being a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim. Being a Christian is not obeying God, therefore you will be saved. Being a Christian is God loves me. He's saved me through the person and work of Jesus. He cherishes me, so I turn to Him. I get off my man-made throne and I live for Him as the one true King. Because I am saved, because I am safe in His arms and because I am loved, I love to follow His lead. Jesus Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So we then ask the question, why would Jesus be telling us to observe all that he's commanded? Like, why Jesus? Why would you tell us to do these things? Hmm? Well, it's been said before, God loves us the way that we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are, doesn't he? And, you know, as much as God loves to show off his power and his goodness by rescuing people, he also loves to show off his power and his goodness by renewing those people as well. God just doesn't, God just doesn't want to rescue you from the penalty of sin. He wants to transform you to be someone that also participates in the rescue of others. The Great Commission. Why does Jesus ask us to follow his lead? He desires to make us more than conquerors. More than conquerors. It's not only does he give us a new life, he trains us to be ambassadors for it. Being a disciple or being a student of Jesus means constant transformation, constant growth. It's, it's how we're designed, isn't it? To be, to be people that cultivate and grow and build and renew and restore. You know, Bunnings and Ikea know all about this God-wired sense in our DNA, don't they? They wanna build stuff. So I'm gonna have a shop so they can build stuff. Gyms and personal trainers and personal coaches, this is what they're tapping into. They know that there's something written on our hearts that wants to be constantly renewing and changing and bettering ourselves. It's to become more like Christ, not to have a six pack. The first place that we need to feed this wiring, you know, it's not bad to go to Bunnings. I'm not saying, you know, you know, we bless Bunnings in Jesus' name. You know, it's not bad to go to Bunnings or Ikea. You know, you can have, have a personal trainer. You know, physical training is of some value. You know, that was an old job of mine. I, had to, I knew that. But we need to first feed our spiritual DNA by not doing a kitchen renovation or a car restoration or a physique cultivation or resume addition, our first priority as commanded by Jesus should be the day by day renewing of our hearts and minds with the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And you know the best bit? We don't do it on our own. We don't do it on our own. We have the gift of God's Holy Spirit at work in our heart who is with us to comfort us, to counsel us, to give us peace, to give us power, to give us everything that we need to live this godly life. We're not doing the renovation on our own. God is the architect. God is the project manager. God is the personal trainer. God is the site supervisor. God is the financer. Jesus commands us to hold fast to his teaching. And why? Because your life was not designed for short, superficial, 
shallow, stale relationships. Jesus commands us this in the Great Commission because Jesus doesn't want you to miss out on what's best. It's like this time, every Sunday, that crew goes past. I reckon they now do it on purpose. They're just like, you know what it is? That's the, that's the Spirit of God lulling them in, being like, you know what? If I fit my visor up, I might hear some gospel this week. Uh, City on a Hill, cityonhill.com.au, thoughts like Surf Coast, Harley Riders, and uh, you can uh, watch the video and subscribe to the podcast there. Like, subscribe, share. Um, anyway, <laughs> where were we? God wants for you far, far more than just your man made plans, all right? Far, far more. His infinite, powerful, holy mind has a plan for your life too. And just to be honest, you are kidding yourself if you think you can come up with a better plan that's more fulfilling and more fun than the one that he has ordained for your life. So it's follow Jesus' lead. It's awesome. Because here's the bottom line. If you're not doing life with Jesus, obeying Jesus, following Jesus, like you're missing out. <laughs> Jesus is the life of the party. Do you remember his first miracle? Turns the water into wine. Not the other way around. <laughs> Who is this Jesus? Life is purposeful with Jesus. It's wonderful with Jesus. It's joyful with Jesus. Being a genuine disciple of Jesus means a God-centered constant movement and momentum. You're either going to be being shaped by the sovereign hand of God, by His Spirit, by His Word and by His people, or you get to be participating in the shaping and the changing of another. And both, let me tell you, both are awesome, awesome experiences. Amazing. Sometimes they can be hard, but the result is always beautiful. You get to be changed for the better. You get to be, or you get to be a part of change, which means better for someone else. And God is so tricky. He's so clever that often he lets both happen at the same time. So if you are a disciple of Jesus, Jesus will tell you, you are a learner and a leader. You are an apprentice and a witness. You are a product of God's love and a pointer to God's love. At every point in a disciple's life with Christ, there's always someone a little bit, just a step ahead of you that you can ask questions of, that you can follow, that you can be doing life with so that you can also be growing to be more like Jesus with them. And at every point in the Christian life, there's always someone that might just be a step behind you who's still discovering a little bit more about Jesus. And if you like, you know, if you became a Christian like two minutes ago because you heard the gospel and Holy Spirit's doing his thing, even right now, you have someone to point, you've got, you've got a job to do. You can point people to Jesus, making disciples. And I know I've labored on this, but I'm gonna say it again. A relationship with God under the rule of Jesus, our King, it is so freeing, so freeing, so freeing. Like here's what's amazing compared to any other community or relationship or club you can sign up for. Because at the heart of Christian relationships, at the heart of following Jesus in his church and his community is what? It's the gospel. The gospel of forgiveness, of love and of grace, which tells me that I don't have to have it all figured out right now. I just got to take one small baby step at a time. And I'm doing that under the guidance and the hand of a God who loves me, who even if I stuff it up, not if, even when I stuff it up, he's just like, that's okay. We just say sorry and we start again and off we go. That's, that's the one overseeing it all, God. But I'm with a Christian community that has also been formed because of the gospel. And we all like, look, mate, look, uh, I mean, hey, I don't struggle with that thing, but look, there's a lot that I, else are things I do struggle with. We're all the same here. We all make mistakes. But hey, look, we all have the same, we're on the same journey with Jesus. So let's do this together. There's grace, there's forgiveness, there's love, there's help here. Let's go. And don't forget this. Don't forget this. You've got the Holy Spirit with you. Holy Spirit is with you. You believe in your heart 
If you, if, you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has risen him from the dead, you have the Holy Spirit and he's with you and, and he knows the next step that you need to take and he knows what it is that you need to be reminded of so that you can just keep chipping away at what it means to be a student of Christ. One step at a time, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, following after the Son of God to the glory of God the Father. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that's who we're doing community with pointing to, and that's what it's founded in. It's rooted in the gospel, one of grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. So that's why. What about what? What has Jesus commanded? Well, a quick survey of the New Testament will tell us uh, that there's at least 50 different categories of uh, obedience that Jesus talks about. Um, and if you go through the whole Testament and try to figure out all, what all the commands are and all the imperatives that uh, have been spoken of by Jesus or follow on from the teaching of Jesus, there's just over a thousand. Um, so let me close my sermon today with a, with a sermon that just has a thousand points. Okay. <laughs> Nervous chuckling. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> Much could be said at this point. Much could be said at this point. But let's just, not let this, let's just not let these two go astray, okay? Love God, love your neighbour. Jesus says, by this, people will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. How's this? Jesus says, abide in his word. Abide in his teaching. Read your Bible. We know from the Bible that all Scripture is breathed out by God. That's all Scripture breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How are you going in just these two things? Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use just those two to prompt us to do some heart work during our time of reflection this morning. Now, look, we could go on. We could go through the next 998 uh, dot points, um, but we won't. Uh, rather than spending the remainder of our time together about what Jesus commanded, I want to be thinking about how. How it is that we are observing all that Jesus has commanded us to do. How is it that we are going to keep God's commandments, guard God's commandments and apply them into our life? Um, I want to try and give you some practical practical wisdom for how you can be a disciple and disciple maker today, this week, this month, this year. I want to think about how we as a church can be equipped to be learners and leaders for Jesus in obedience to the Great Commission. We're going to get practical. Three precursory comments just to set it up super quick. This will be a little bit quick fire, okay? This will be a little bit machine gun and I'm hoping that maybe one of the bullets will land. Like they're, they're, they're loving bullets. But they're quick fire ideas to encourage you to engage in just taking the next step, whatever that next step is, okay? Intentionally quite broad. I don't wanna overwhelm you with these are all the things you have to do. I just wanna encourage you that maybe there's one thing that you could do, all right? Second thing, um, these are from my experience. Uh, now I say that up front, not to say that like I'm the discipleship guru and I've got it all figured out, I definitely don't. But I just want to show you, I'm just speaking from my own experience, just to, just to encourage you that these things are attainable and they can be worked out in everyday life. And lastly, uh, these things, they do need to be intentionally and deliberately lived out. They will take discipline. I say this because when it comes to following after Jesus, when it comes to living under His rule and reign and soon return, we just can't only be spontaneous and spirit-led and emotionally energetic. Those are good things. There's room for that in the Christian life. But unless the pianist does his scales, he can't play the piano solo when it comes to that time. Jesus says in Revelations 3, 19, those who, I'm, who I love, those who I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. It's good to keep in mind that every good and growing athlete, artist, writer, worker, student, surfer, musician, mother or father will be intentional and disciplined in their craft or call. 
And let me tell you, it's no, di it's no different for disciples of the divine. So discipleship, observing Christ's commands in community. How do we do this? Three broad categories we're going to work through. Organised church life, number one. Organised in your life, number two. Organic in both. And guess what? If you're already here today, not you on the camera, if you're watching at home, that's why I'm talking to you. We, we understand you're at home. It's okay, but please, we want to see your face next week. If you're here right now, you're already like one step ahead. You're already like doing one of these things. You can be like, yeah, sweet. I did that thing today. And, um, and what's the next thing? All right. Organized in church life. I've got three for you. One way that we can do discipleship together that's organized in church life is right here, right now. The Sunday church gathering. The all-in family moment once a week, getting together to remember the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and to be spurred on, to be refueled, to be encouraged, to come and just say, oh, life sucks so much. And to have your family wrap their arms around you and say, hey, look, it's okay. Nothing that a good resurrection won't fix. I don't know if you noticed, but our Sunday gatherings are very intentionally designed so that you can be reminded of what matters most, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you noticed it in the Bible readings that we had at the start. Maybe you noticed it in the prayers that you had at the start. Maybe you noticed it in that song that we've been singing at the start of every service for the last four months now. Do you know what that song's called? The gospel. <laughs> every week, we wanna be preaching the gospel. We wanna be responding because of the gospel. So our Sunday gatherings together are the big all-in moment as we rehearse for heaven and refuel for our week. We get to sing with, learn with, and be with the people of God. Come on. It's the all-in big party moment. We come in often beaten, battered, bruised, tired, and hungry. We come here on a Sunday and we remember, you know what, I'm a part of something bigger. There's a church family here that loves me. Look at all these people that have been doing life this week. And look at, we're all singing to the same God. We're all loving the same God. We're all worshiping the same God. And you know what? These, these, these relationships right here, right now, they're not temporary, they're eternal. How beautiful is that? And as we are being discipled by the Sunday gathering, you get to disciple others in the Sunday gathering. Do you know that? Do you know that with your singing, not only will we sing to God, we get to sing to each other. We get to, you know, one of the most encouraging things that, you know, and this might sound weird, but one of the most encouraging things is when I'm standing close to someone that knows that they're a bad singer, but they still belt it out. Because it says in the Bible, make a joyful noise to the Lord, not make a good noise to the Lord. And I'm just like, that person, they love Jesus. I'm encouraged by them. Like that, that song that they're singing, like that's getting like interpreted by the Holy Spirit. He's just like, he's doing his best and probably sound more like this. <laughs> just wait for his resurrected vocal cords and uh, we'll be there. How about our meet and greet time? You can be discipled. You can also disciple others. We can show interest in each other's lives. We can meet someone new. We can speak to someone that we don't know. We can begin to build connections in this church family that exists all over the surf coast. That's unreal. In our serving, we get to disciple others. Setting up gazebos, being here early, helping set up, staying back late to help pack up. And you get these little nice moments in between where you're just having conversations, perhaps even praying together, showing hospitality to one another. Yes and amen. And then there's your listening. Peter Adam would often say that we were given two ears when we listen to a sermon. One ear is for what we need to hear, and sometimes the other ear is for what we need to share with someone else. Sometimes you might go to church and be like, oh, well, the sermon didn't really, uh, didn't really impact my life today. You know, my heart, you know, it's just, yeah, whatever. You know, Louis, he does, he does his best. But maybe that sermon that week was for your friend that you're going to be spending some time with. And you go, oh, actually, I heard something about that. You're worried, you're tired, you're, you know what? Hey, uh, can I remind you, can I tell you about something? Can I just, can I, can I share with you what it is that gives me hope when I'm in a similar circumstance? Organized in, organized in church life, one of those things is a Sunday gathering. The second thing, who knows what it is that we do that's organized? Gospel communities. 
All right, big shout out. Who's in the gospel community? Hey, we want that to be all of you because they're amazing, okay? Gospel communities, we go from facing the front at church to facing each other in our lounge rooms. We go from a couple of people talking up the front to all of us talking around the table. We go from um, like 60 to 10. We go from a gathering with a stage to a gathering that has a fridge. Come on, yeah. But our gospel communities are still organised, aren't they? They're organised by around three key motivating elements. Meals, maturity and mission. Meals, we want you guys to be hanging out together, doing life together. Jesus spent a lot of time having meals, didn't he? That's how he did life with people. That's how people felt welcome. We want to do meals together in our gospel community. Maturity, at least 50% of the time, we want Bibles open. What does God have to say to us? And have you noticed the structure of the questions? Very intentional. They are to disciple you in how you can be reading the Bible. You've got the Bible open for you. First question, who knows the first question? What's the context of this passage? Second question, what is this teaching me about God? I don't wanna read myself into the text. I wanna read God out of it. Third question, what does this teach us about mankind? Actually, yeah, what does this tell me about the world that I'm in and the culture that I'm stuck in? Oh yeah, actually, yeah, we kind of suck. We need saving. Third question, how does it point me to Jesus? Oh, he's the saviour. I need Jesus. They need Jesus. This text, oh man, it's like the Bible was written by like one author, author and inspired mind. Wow, Jesus. And then fifth question, how is the Holy Spirit going to help me apply this teaching? My counsellor, my comforter, my power, my peace. What is it that jumps off the page? And I'm like, I want to, I, I need to do something with this. I can't just read this. I can't just like observe and look at it. I need to observe and keep and obey. And then lastly, how do we turn this Bible reading that we've been doing into a prayer? God's been speaking to us. How are we going to speak to Him? If you're in a gospel community, hopefully you've noticed these things. If not, um, and you're like, hey, that's pretty cool. That sounds pretty easy. You could potentially even become a gospel community leader. You can go and find a GC Leaders Handbook on the thing and find out more. One thing that a gospel community won't do, though, is do one thing really well. You should get a taste for a bunch of little things. Because the third thing, there's meals, maturity, there's mission. A gospel community should mobilize on their own and go on mission. But you're not going to be doing, you, you, you should always feel like with every element, you're like, oh, I want more of that. I want more of the meal part. I want more of the Bible study part. I want more of the prayer part. I want more of the mission part. Gospel communities give us a place to rehearse and practice these things and engage in them. And then we can go and do more of what it is that God is stoking in our hearts with fire. Sunday gatherings, gospel communities. Third organised thing that we want to do together. It happens on a Monday night and I haven't shut up about it every week, and I'm gonna invite you again, seven o'clock here. What is it that we do? We gather as a church community and we want to pray. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. We pray, we ask God to do what it is that only He can do. Yes, we live like it all depends on us, but we pray like it all depends on God. This church doesn't, build, this church doesn't grow, we, we're not gonna be sustained. We're not gonna have anything unless we abide in Christ. Um, you know, uh, Jesus says, John 15, verse five, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. We pray. We don't only, and we don't only ask God to help us with what we need and to do what He wants to do. We take our frustrations to God. We take our worries to God. We bring our longings to God. We hear others pray and we're encouraged by them. And we have others pray prayers that are like, wow, I couldn't have put it like that. That was good. Oh, man. Like, I got to say, hey, Andre, how good was Monday's prayer meeting that we just had? Amazing. 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 You know what? And it, from, like, from the world's perspective, it's just like, man, what, what, what were you doing? You like, got together and you like, did some rehearsed like, prayer book stuff and then what you just prayed. It was incredible. I can't, I can't describe what it's like because you just have to come and know for yourself because that's actually true. But, you know, there's people there and they're, you know, the, the, the joy that comes in your heart and also just the, the, the connection that is there with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you come before your heavenly Father together. We pray together. Organised church life. 
let me encourage you to lean into those things as much as you can. I know the season is hard and times are tough, but we're doing our best. We're trying to record service sermons. We, we open up Zoom for the prayer nights. Um, but, you know, just have a crack. Organized in church life. And then there's three other things for organized in your life. These might be a little bit quicker. Three things that I've done, two of which that I still do, and all of which I would still do even if I was not a pastor. These are not like I'm a professional Christian things, all right? These are just how we do life, all right? One of the, the way these work is we've kind of gone big church gathering and then we've narrowed it down to smaller church gathering. Now we narrow it down even more. We get more intimate, okay? The first one of these, gospel community, sort of eight to 12, one of these things is discipleship groups, okay? Here we're at about three to five, three to six people that get together very intentionally and make a commitment. This, this is what I did. I called, I, I called up nine blokes and I was like, send them a text. I'm like, hey, do you want to do something really hard but really awesome? Let's commit to this for a year. We'll meet every week. We'll do a Bible reading plan. We'll journal the, through the Bible. We'll memorize scripture and we'll pray together and we'll keep each other accountable for actually living it out. And of those nine guys, I was like, I'll get two. I got eight. And we, like, one of those groups, we went through 10 months. The other one, we got through eight months of it. Tell you what, they were good quality eight and 10 months together. There's still guys from those groups that are doing the same thing because of the power that was in it. Discipleship groups. Now, for that, it's, it is actually helpful um, it, to do gender only, you know, because you get to actually open up a little bit more. I'm, I'm sorry, ladies, but just guys, we tend to feel a bit nervous about, like, opening up, you know, you know, we, we're all like, we act all tough, but actually we're a bunch of wusses. Um, just, we're, or maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the wuss. Discipleship group. I wonder who, I wonder, are, are there like three or four other friends from church from your gospel community? That's really helpful when you take it down another level with your gospel community. Are there some people that you're just like, you know what? Let's go deep in the Bible. Let's go deep in prayer. Let's go deep in relationship. Are there some people that you can do that with? That's discipleship groups. Another way that you can work this out in your life, and this is one that, I'm, that I do at the moment, are journey groups. That's just what I called them because, I don't know, journey groups. Because you're journeying together. A discipleship group, in my, in my experience, we've structured it more around the Bible. So it's more intense, intense study and memorization and time together to apply it. A journey group is structured more around life. More around life. I do this with two other guys. There are other pastors from Sit on Hill Churches. We catch up on Zoom every week, once a week. And we just, one of the things that we just, you know, we, hey, how you going? You know, what's going on? We, try, we remember what it is we we're talking about last week. Hey, can I keep praying for you in that? But we, one thing we do do is we structure our time around five very deliberate questions for one another. Five R's, five R's. Now, if you forget this, you can come after, see afterwards. But five R's. The first R is rest. How have you been going resting in Christ? If you're not resting in Christ, what are you resting in? We start with rest. Because if you're not, like the gospel means we start in the posture of rest. Jesus, is, it's done. It's finished. We start in a posture of like, oh, I give from everything that He's already given to me. So we start with how are you resting in Christ? And sometimes we go, oh, I'm sorry, Sam, but not good this week. I turned to this thing, I did this thing, and actually I found it really hard to just get some time alone with Jesus. Thank you for asking me that question. The next question after rest is rejoice. What are you rejoicing in because of Jesus? If you're not rejoicing primarily in Jesus, what are you rejoicing in? Rejoice. It reminds us to just turn our gaze up and above and look around us and go, whatever is wonderful, beautiful, perfect, pure and true. It's, it's all a picture from God and it's all from Him. What are you rejoicing in? What's God doing? It's, it's, it's like the, uh, it, 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 you could call it remember. You know, one of the biggest problems for Israel is they just kept forgetting what God was doing for them. So it's like, you have not remembered that I liberated you from Egypt. Like, are, are you serious? Like, you have a lot to be thankful for and now you're complaining about that you've got, you know, manna when you, and you want leek and onion soup. Like, what's wrong with you? Remember and rejoice in what God has done and what He's doing. The next one, oh, this one's a bit tricky. This one, you oh, a little, it's, you know, rest, rejoice, repent. Hey, what do you, um, what do you need to be repenting of this week? Is there anything, is there any way that I can be praying for you, with you? Is there any way that we can be connecting together in this? 
And you know what? It's, it, you know, it's, that's, it sounds hard. It's, it, it is hard, you know, but you are opening yourself up in a community that's founded upon the gospel. Grace, mercy, love, forgiveness. I'm with you in this. I'll serve you in this. Repent. Next one. Fourth one, reform. How is God changing you? Don't live the Christian life expecting you're going to look and act the same than you did a year ago. God should be working in you by, your, by His Spirit. And you should notice that. And when you do, you get to rejoice in that. It's like, oh man, you know, a few weeks ago, I just, I couldn't take a day off. I wasn't, you know, all this sort of stuff. But now actually I've been able to just find that margin. God's changing my heart to be more like Jesus. And then last, uh, after repentant reform is risk. Risk. Hey, Sam, what have you done this week? that actually shows that you're taking Jesus at his word and that you're actually he's on the throne and that you're not. How have you actually taken a step in faith to do something that may further the kingdom of God? Have you done that? Because really there's no risk that we can take with, when we're living for Jesus. It just feels that way. So we ask the question. Journey groups, two to three of you, close friends doing life together, ask them the questions, rest, Rejoice, repent, reform, risk. And look, it sounds very formal there, but hey, often it's just in a conversation. We don't go, okay, now that we've done rest, we'll tick that one off. Uh, so now, uh, Sam, what are you rejoicing in? We don't do that. It's just a conversation and it comes up. Oh, oh, actually, hey, tell us about rest this week. Tell us about rejoicing. We can do that. Third, over to you, one-on-ones. One-on-ones. Do you know, I mean, this is going to blow some of your minds, but do you know that you can actually organized to get together and read the Bible together or pray together or do something on mission for Jesus here. Do you know that you could do that? Do you know that in this church, I'm so thankful to be able to say like that's actually been happening. People been meeting up during the week to read the Bible. That's awesome. Such intentional, wonderful, wonderful relationship, meaningful relationship. Like maybe you're worried to do that. Like I know in my experience when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna stuff it up. I'll do something bad. <laughs> do you remember that part? Remember who's always with us? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Seriously, if both, if you, both of you get together and you're like, hey, um, do you wanna catch up just once a fortnight? And what if we just pray for half an hour and you know, just see how we're doing? Reckon, reckon we could do that? Like seriously, like what is the worst that could happen? <laughs> What is the worst that can happen? It will go well. And hey, look, are there some people in this church family that maybe you could do that with? I want to say, heck yes. Do you know what's beautiful about our church family? Our generational span. I love, 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 love that we have people in this church that are older than me. I was very careful with how I said that. Because there are things that you can't learn just without time doing its thing. So those of you that are a bit older, those of you who got some more runs on the board, those of you that maybe have, you know, made some mistakes and you've learned from that, maybe so that some of you have made some decisions and you're like, oh wow, that's actually gone really well in the playing the long game. Like you've got a church family underneath you that can benefit from your wisdom and your life experience. Even if sometimes it's just catching up, you know, someone catching up and just being like, look, okay, I've paid this dumb tax for you. <laughs> I did something dumb. You don't have to do that. Okay? It can be that simple. And let me encourage you, if there's someone that you know you, you admire within the church or you see something in them that's just like, I can see Christ working in them in some way. Let us be a church where we're open to just marching up to each other and being like, hey, look, would you... Would you consider meeting with me once a month? I'd just love to pick your brain on what it's like living for Jesus for the long haul. We can do that. I want to encourage you towards that. Organised by church, organised by us. Last one, one only, organised in your life, okay? Now look, you know what? It would be so cool, it'd be amazing if our next staff hire was like, we had like a men's and a women's discipleship coordinator. That'd be amazing. You know, it'd be amazing if we were a church that just had so much cash that we're just like hiring staff after staff, discipleship coordinator, you know, men's, women's, you know, we've got all this stuff happening. Do you know what you know would be even cooler? If we didn't need to. If we didn't need to. 
What would be amazing, you know, you know, Guy Mason comes down, sit down here, okay, Louis, things are going really well here. Uh, look, um, we've had a generous donation from a uh, discipleship patron, and uh, look, they want to donate, uh, you know, someone to work five days a week to coordinate discipleship. Uh, we, we would love to look after your journey groups and your D groups and your one-on-ones. We want to get that going so that, you know, in life you can be growing as Jesus. And I'd say, you know, it'd be amazing. I'd be like, you know what, Guy, thanks, but no thanks. Our church family is very intentional in this. They're willing to take the risk and to ask a question. And hey, it's hard. I remember when I, you know, I text message, you know, the Gold Coast pastor, Sam. I'm like, hey, Sam, look, you've got a few more runs on the board than me, but I feel like I can learn something from you. Would you consider just catching up frequently so we can just talk life and grow as followers of Jesus? You know, you've got to be vulnerable to ask that question. But the fruit that comes from that in someone being willing to take the risk and someone willing to also take the risk on the other way, incredible, incredible. I wanna encourage you towards that. And so I think we wanna think about the organic in both, organic in both. We wanna be deliberate and have these organized things, but what we should find if we're doing it well is that they'll overflow into everyday things. I love that Joash earlier on, he said that he and the Fishleys, they went down to Ocean Grove after church. You know why that happened? It's because they were investing their time into the organised church discipleship and it overflowed into everyday discipleship. Now I'm sure, I wasn't there, but I know what Joash is like. He probably, I hope so. Actually, no, yeah, this is a test now, Joash, no. <laughs> he probably asked, hey, what did, you, what did you find helpful from church this morning? Or was there anything in the sermon that stuck out? And there probably was some conversation of significance. Wasn't organised, but actually it was a way of just doing life together and working that out and having conversations of eternal significance. You know, they, I'm sure that they would have talked about COVID and, you know, the next wave, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the Zulu, the Zulu variant. But they're also having conversations that they were taking into eternity and refining each other. Families together, watching each other, even parent. Oh, wow, I love the way that you do that. I can actually, you remind me of someone. You remind me of Jesus. It's amazing. So that's organised in church life. Organised in your life, organic in both. Ways that we can be obeying Jesus' command to be teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. Two things to close with. This all sounds very neat and tidy, tidy, doesn't it? I've got some acronyms there, got some organized questions, five R's, that's very clever, isn't it? Wow, how'd you do that? I thought of it in the shower. But when you're doing discipleship well, organic or inorganic or organized, it, if, it's, if, it's, if it's working, it'll get messy. If it's working, it'll get messy because sin will be exposed. But that's awesome because we're doing that in an environment that's safe, that's loving, that's forgiving, that's merciful, that's where two or three are gathered together. Jesus is there with us. There's no judgment. There's no shame. There's, there's love and there's strength to continue on in the journey together as you refine each other. It'll get messy and that's good. That's what we want. And then secondly, it sounds tough, all this extra work, doesn't it? Oh man, okay, Louis, so you're telling me I've got to go to prayer night, gospel community church on Sunday, journey group, D group, prayer group, and if I do three one-on-ones, I can cover off the missional component as well, all right. Um, don't do it all. Just pick something that you, just pick the next step, just one thing that you can do to show your allegiance to Christ and your intention to grow, to be more like Him. And also, don't let the devil sell you the lie that you don't need to take Jesus seriously in this. Please remember, it's an eternal investment. It's better than shares. It's better than an investment property. It's better than Bitcoin. It's better than superannuation. It's an eternal investment that you'll take with you. Like I love to think about some, you know, especially some of the catch-ups, you know, just, you know, Josh and I get to hang out a fair bit, you know, and you know, we get to have pretty significant conversations. And there's, there's part of me that's just kind of like, oh, you know what would be cool? Just like in heaven, just hanging out together and be like, oh, you remember that time that like, we had to talk about that thing? That was, that was uh, interesting. You know what interesting means? Interesting means that you actually don't want to say what you really think. Um, 
But man, I'm so glad that we pursued through that together and we made the effort and we actually were deliberate about our discipleship. For as we read in the book of Hebrews, the moment, in the moment, all discipline, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it, it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness to those that have been trained by it. So to close this morning, we have this command from Jesus to go and make disciples, baptise them into the triune name of God, teaching them everything that he has commanded. The motivation for this devotion is in his already demonstrated love and acceptance of us despite our unworthiness. He forgave us and he made us new. And we want the world to know that they too can be forgiven and be made new as well. So we thought about how we can be doing that amongst each other, for each other. Jesus doesn't call us to go to the monastery with hard beds and bad food. He calls us to a corporate commitment and a journey with him and each other as we continue to be learners and leaders. So don't just today, don't just sit and nod and think it's a nice idea. I'd love for you to take Jesus at his word and just take one small step of faith and one deliberate step so you can continue in your discipleship with Christ and others. Now, a lot more could be said, but we'll leave it there. Next week, we'll think about how our discipleship is not only discipleship, discipling each other, but going out into the world to disciple the world. I hope to see you then. Um, I'm going to pray and we'll move into our next point next time. Our dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for the way that you have accepted us because of the person and work of Jesus. Father, with the reality of his sacrifice for us to bring us into that wonderful triune community, would that grip our hearts even more so that we're excited, so that we're energized, and so that we're disciplined to follow after Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Give us the strength that we need to take that risk, to take that one small step in our deliberate discipleship in being your people. We ask for your help, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.